Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Matthew 25, 31 through 46. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Matthew in your Bible. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Well, we've been, uh, we've been journeying through, through Matthew, and this week is actually the last week that we're going to be in Matthew. Uh, it, is, it is the last Sunday of the Christian calendar. In, in that, the brand new Christian calendar year begins next Sunday with the first Sunday of Advent. I know, we're, we're kind of jumping the gun, uh, regular calendar-wise. Uh, but we try to, well, the church has always ordered their life around this particular calendar. The, the one that tells the story of Jesus, uh, his birth and his life, and the story of the church, really. And so uh, we're, we're at the end. Today is actually Christ the King Sunday. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we don't, we don't do a whole lot with that, but it, it bears mentioning because today's text is all about uh, Jesus being <clears throat> being Lord, being Christ, and coming back and acting as King, and uh, and and judging people. That kind of has a bad bad rap to it, but uh, that word anyway. But that's kind of what's happening here. Uh, so we've we've been going through, and uh, this passage starts off says, "When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory." Now, uh, this this. One isn't, it's not a parable, although some people kind of call it a parable. Uh, but it starts not with the kingdom of God can be compared to this, or the kingdom of God is like this, or what should I compare the kingdom of God? But 
when the Son of Man comes in his glory. And if we're, if we've paid attention to everything that's happened in the Gospel of Matthew up until this point, uh, we'll connect it to all of the little parables that he's told, especially in the last chapter. Uh, so it, it, it's like, it's like when the master went away and he left two servants in charge of his estate and the one servant did good and the one servant did bad. He, he was, the one servant was prepared for when the pastor returned and the other one wasn't. Uh, it's like, it's like when the groom came in and he was met by those five faithful and wise bridesmaids with their, with their lamps, their torches burning really brightly to usher the groom into the wedding party. It was like, it was like, uh, the passage we looked at last week where the master comes back after he had gone away and left three of his servants with a bunch of money to try to, to try to make an investment in. Uh, and he came back and the one servant had doubled his money and the other servant had doubled his money, but the third one, well, he just, he was unprepared. He dug a hole and stuck it in the ground, didn't even earn any interest. And so Matthew is, is helping us. He's wanting us to understand that what Jesus is saying is that he is the character in all of those parables, that he is the character in this particular story right here, that he is the one who is going to return. Obviously, he says this kind of explicitly, the Son of Man. Jesus has been calling himself uh, the Son of Man all throughout the Gospel of Matthew. And, and it comes from some, uh, some Old Testament language, particularly in the book of Ezekiel. But he comes, and uh, he's going to come and sit on his throne. Again, Christ the King Sunday. Uh, that this, this is where this entire story is. Not just the story of the Bible it's going, but the story of your life and of my life. Uh, the story of the entire world is going to this particular point. The point when Christ comes back and he sits on the throne as king of all that was, all that is, and all that will be. Christ the king. Well, he goes on, he says, All the nations will be gathered before him and will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats on his left. Now, uh, nations here, right? Uh, the Jewish people would have thought, yes, okay, he's going to separate us. The Jews, us Israelites, we are the sheep, and everyone else are goats. Uh, but that's really not what's happening here. Jesus is going to make it a, a little bit more, uh, well, he's going to make it a little more individual, a little more personal, uh, this separation. He said, we'll separate people one from another as sheep, as shepherds separate sheep from goats. So, on his right hand, he will have the sheep. You guys have chosen wisely. You have sat on the sheep side. You guys, I thought about you all week. You are goats. I'm sorry. You are goats. Uh, and, and so the right hand, if, if you were at a banquet or something, you were having a, a fancy meal, if you were the host and you invited someone to sit on your right hand, that meant that they were in a, a they had the most valued and honored position at the meal. Now, now, sitting on the left hand wasn't too bad either, uh, if we're going to use that analogy, but things don't go well for the goats in this story. So uh, that one kind of breaks down. Uh, it, it's, like, uh, it's like sorting day at Hogwarts. Um, and 
it's, it's a little, it blows my mind. I, I don't think this is how this is going to happen, right? We're not all going to progress into uh, the entire world. Every person who ever lived across all of time is not going to sit and have a talking hat sit on our head and say, sheep. So you guys are Gryffindor and you guys are Slyth- Slytherin. Okay, yeah. Um, let's go back. Let's back to this one. Um, yeah, maybe I didn't want to do that. Anyway, so yeah, sorting. I got myself all excited about Harry Potter and... I shouldn't have. Um, so he's sorting them, sheep and goats. Sheep on the right hand, obviously good. Uh, we even sang about sheep a little bit, and it was sheep in the, uh, in the psalm. But a sheep and good goats, not so, not so good. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So I actually wanted to say this. This is what I wanted to go back and say. This is the resurrection. Uh, Christ come back and everybody gets resurrected. It's not just the good folks that get resurrected, get raised from the dead. It's the bad folks too. And everybody's going to be there. Like the entire world. Uh, everybody who ever was and everybody who, who is now and who will be. I, I know that kind of blows my mind a little bit. I don't know if it does to you. I have a hard time imagining billions and billions and billions of people. Uh, and, and that God, and that Jesus is going to sit on the throne and uh, sorting hat people, you know, I like just, it just, it defies our imagination to be able to, to understand and, and visualize that, at least it does me. And so he points over to the sheep and he says, well done guys, come and inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now some people might want to well, here, here we go. Jesus' plan from the very beginning was that all of us, even you goats, that all of us would end up in relationship with God. Uh, that we would have this uh, uninterrupted, unmediated, unbroken relationship with the God who created us. It was the plan for from before Adam and Eve did anything wrong. It was the plan even after Adam and Eve sinned. It's God's plan now. I think some people want to read kind of individually into this, that God, well, our, our Calvinist brothers and sisters do this. They're like, you know, you're predestined to go to heaven and you're not. You are, you're not. Sorry, sheep goats. Uh, but it's not that way. Like, this is God's plan. If you want to talk about it, it has predestined us from the very beginning of time to be with him. And it is up to us as whether we are going to be prepared or not. And so, he says, uh, come you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Jesus has been asking this question. Matthew has been asking, what does it look like to be prepared for Christ's coming back? What does it look like for us to be prepared for the master to return? Here Jesus answers that question for us. It is, well, feeding him and giving him water and welcoming the stranger and the naked and the sick and in the prison. 
And the, uh, the people were like, well, the, the sheep were like, uh, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? They are befuddled. They're happy they're sheep, uh, but they're really kind of at a loss for words, right? Uh, because I think uh, Israel... All, all this whole time understood that what it meant to be the people of God was really wrapped up in, in a whole bunch of like religious laws, purity laws and sacrifices and doing all of these things. And so I think they think, well, I did all of those things, but you're saying that, that this is what really matters. And Jesus responds to them and says, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Now we have to think back to a, a long month ago, more than a month ago, uh, chapter 18. Uh, we, I think maybe it's where we started this kind of section of Matthew. And the disciples come up to Jesus and they ask him, they say, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And Jesus, he surprises them. He says, uh, unless you become like a child, unless you have the faith of a child, uh, you won't enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, and then he brought a kid into his midst and says, uh, you know, this is, this is who you are to be like. And, and I remember saying that day that, that faith like a child isn't necessarily uh, the faith that children have because um, if you've ever tried to convince a kid to jump off uh, the, the diving board into the pool and like you're going to catch them, they don't have faith. That's, that's just, or like, yeah, eat this, it's good for you. They don't have that kind of faith. Uh, but but Jesus, what Jesus was really talking about was their was their lowliness, their lack of status, and their vulnerability in the world. That, that children really were in in the first century in Jesus' world, they were the least of these, at least part of them. Throw in their widows and people from different countries that had kind of immigrated to your place, strangers, uh, people who were in prison. Now you didn't always end up in prison if you were bad. You ended up in prison if you were in debt a lot of times. Uh, so, like Jesus is saying, when you took care of the least of these, you did it for me. And he's defining who's, who those least of him, least of these were. Well, I, let's look at this list a little bit again. Um, you'll notice that like these are foundational things. You don't get very far in life if you are hungry. You don't get very far if you are thirsty. Actually, you get less far if you are thirsty, right? Because you need more water than you need food. Uh, you know, belonging to a community, being part of something, uh, having a place to lay your head, like a stranger really kind of talks, that language all throughout the Bible is, is someone who is, is without a place, uh, without a place to call their own, their home, that they are strangers in a strange land, which Israel was. Uh, Coming up here shortly, if you are naked out in the elements, you are going to die. <laughs> if well, we all we know all about sickness, right? Like uh, we we know in the first century, like if you were sick, uh, you thought quarantining was bad. Now, like, depending on what you had, you had to leave the town and go out and live with other people who were sick in a similar way to you. Uh, well, we understand that a little bit more. And so when you take care of the sick, you are placing yourself in great vulnerability, but you are doing so so that someone else can experience wholeness and community. 
I was in prison and you visited me. Fun fact about prison, right? You weren't there necessarily if you were had done something wrong. Uh, especially with the Romans, they would, they would house you if you were in prison, right? That's kind of lock you up. But they wouldn't necessarily give you food or water. So if you were in prison, it was up to your family to take care of those needs. If you needed clothing when you were in prison, it was up to your family to come and bring it to you. If you needed food, it was up to your family or friends to come and bring you food. If you needed water, it was up to your family and friends to bring you water because, well, the Romans didn't care if you died or not. So Jesus is saying, this is, this is what, anytime you do these things, anytime you show love for someone else, you're loving me. Anytime you give some food, some water, anytime we welcome somebody, anytime that we take care of someone who is sick, I don't know if our own kids count. Maybe. And I think this shocked. I think this shocked the people that were listening to Jesus at this particular time. Then he said to those on the left, he said, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And they're like, they're like, why? And they must not have been listening. And, and I don't have a slide for this, but Jesus will say, you know, when I was hungry, you didn't give me food. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me drink. When I was a stranger, you didn't welcome me. When I was in prison, you didn't come to visit me. When I was in sick, you, when I was sick, you did not take care of me. Anytime, this list, this list gets mentioned four times. Four times. Anytime biblical writers repeat themselves, like, it's important. It's for emphasis. Maybe not so much, it makes for monotonous reading, but it is the thing that the author is trying to say. And, and they were like, well, when did we ever see you do those things? And it's like, when you didn't do them, you didn't do them to me. He says, get out of here. I see, I, I've already said it, but I think, I think the religious people thought, and I think we're looking at the context of this entire passage. We're looking at all of the last couple of weeks. All of the people who found themselves unprepared in the parables that we looked at up until this point, they weren't necessarily the sinners and bad people of the world. They were the Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious scribes. They were the people who thought that they had done everything right. They had followed every rule. They ate things that they were supposed to, and they didn't eat the things that they weren't supposed to. They washed when they were supposed to. They offered the right sacrifices. They didn't talk to Samaritans or Gentiles. And yet I got to think that Jesus is, like that he's got these folks in their mind. Uh, because we're told more than once in, in, in the Gospels that, that these religious people, they were good and sparkling and white and clean on the outside, but on the inside they were like a dirty, nasty tomb. Rotten and dead and decaying. Well, well, that's the end of it. 
Jerry, help me out there. There you thanks. I've been saying this, and I think I think that I am well, I think I, I am convinced of this, actually. I, I don't think I'm convinced of it. I know I'm convinced of it. That what it means to be prepared for Christ's coming, what it means for us to be the people that God wants us to be, is for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. I am convinced that what it means for us to love God with all of our heart, minds, and soul is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And what does it mean to love our neighbors as ourselves? Feeding the hungry and giving the thirsty something to drink and welcoming the stranger and taking care of those who don't have any clothes and those who are sick and those who are in prison. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, right? Uh, our world is relatively, like our world is good here in America. There's not a lot of people running around that are naked because they just don't have clothes. I mean, other parts of the world do. So I don't want us to look at this and say, well, that's some of, you know, a lot of those things aren't a problem for us, but I, I don't want us to miss the larger picture, which is that any time, any time we do anything that is loving, for someone else. Anytime we offer hospitality, anytime we offer compassion, every time we offer companionship and a listening ear, every time that we just sit in the presence of someone who is in a absolute terrible place, we are doing that to Christ. That it really it really doesn't matter how sparkly clean you are on the outside. Now, I, I don't want you to give up on being like morally upright. In fact, I think, I, I think the more that we practice doing things like this, the more we practice compassion and being selfless towards our neighbor, the more we love God through loving our neighbor, the more we are shaped and formed into morally and ethically good people. Because when we practice being selfless, it retrains how we think and how we act and it forms us into people who look like sheep and not goats. Well, the question that's lingered for us is how do we be prepared, right? That's where we started all of this. And I don't want to make it any more complicated than it is. I think some people think, and maybe I'm going backwards here a little bit, I think some people think that all you got to do to be prepared for when Jesus comes back is to say a prayer. And yes, I want you to do that. I want you to enter into a relationship with Christ. I think maybe some people think that all you got to do is come to church and maybe read your Bible and not swear or whatever. But I think Jesus is he's concerned about those things. Being Going to church is, is super important. Reading your Bible is super important. Prayer is super important. The way you speak to other people is, is super important. 
But that is only a small fraction of what Christ is calling us to as the people of God, as the church, and as individuals. Christ the King Sunday. We're confessing that Christ is king, that he's going to come back and he's going to sit on his rightful throne and he's going to judge all people from all of time. He's going to sort us into good and bad. And I hope sincerely that you and I are sheep. Well, we're heading into a season, the season of Advent. And just like Lent, we do Lent, Advent is a season of preparation. And it's a preparation for the coming of Christ in the first place. Right? So, so we'll have candles on this altar or this table um, next week and we'll light one each week. And then on Christmas Eve, we will gather together and we'll sing some songs and we'll read some scripture and we will light the Christ candle. That one right there. We'll get a new one. Don't worry. And we will, we will celebrate the coming of Christ, the light of the world into the world. But the season of Advent is also a time of preparation, not just for his first coming, but for his coming again. And so I challenge you, this is, this is your homework for Advent. So you're getting the week early on it. I want you to pay special attention this week and every week, every day. I want you to have your eyes open for ways in which you can love someone, that you can love God through loving someone else. Maybe that involves feeding somebody. Maybe that involves giving them clothes or water. Maybe that involves caring for someone who is sick or recovering. Maybe that involves writing letters to somebody in prison. Just just look for it. Do one thing. Start small. At the end of every single day, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Did I love God through loving my neighbor today? Were there opportunities that I missed where I could have loved God through loving my neighbor today? You guys got that? There will be a a quiz next week. There won't. There's going to be a quiz when Jesus comes back, though, and that's 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 how that one goes. I don't think that that when Christ comes back, something to be afraid of. But I do, from the very bottom of my heart, want us to be prepared. We're prepared by loving God through loving our neighbor as ourselves. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your uh, your goodness. Thank you for giving us the answers to the tests that we're going to have at the end of time. Lord, in, in addition to seeking to love you, uh, to learning all about you, in addition to uh, communing with you in prayer and through scripture, in addition to coming to church, help us to be prepared by loving our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, you have invited the entire world to this party at the end. And you kind of told us today that not everybody gets in, but not everybody gets in because they aren't prepared. Lord, help us to have eyes to see where we can begin to love people, where we can care for 
those who are hungry and thirsty and who are alone and sick. Help us to have those eyes to see that every single day and then, well, then the strength to act in those situations. Thank Thank you for your faithfulness to us, for the gift of your spirit that inhabits us and strengthens and encourages us to love you by loving our neighbors. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.